Welcome back, Mount Draftmore Bracket Breakdown Edition. We're continuing along, for those of you who are joining us, continuing along with our Bracket Breakdown of Worldwide Landmarks, Global Landmarks. We're on the west side of the bracket. The previous edition, we broke down the east side. We're still in the first round. Sorry, I'm sitting here writing because there's there's eight matchups. And just to make it easy for everyone who's listening, I want to be able to put the timestamps inside the info, like of the podcast. And so we didn't do that with the last two. And I know that kind of made it a pain in post-production to try and figure out. So now when we do each round, let's try and look at what the time is and write it down Smart. if we can. Yeah. Just to keep it organized, you know, and it makes it easier for people who might be on the go and they're like, eh, I don't really care about this matchup or I want to listen to this one or whatever. So be it. Yo, welcome back to Mount Draftmore. Break it or break it. Bracket build off. Um, our theme for this build are world monuments and landmarks. So, you know, hopefully you've tuned in. You've heard the other two pieces are actual build up and then round the first half of round one. We want to apologize because we information dumped the hell out of you. Like, for Mama real. Mia, ah. Couldn't have said it any mm-hmm. better myself. Like, it was a lot of information we let on you, and we realized for this kind of podcast, like, you need to be able to process, and we need to kind of layer out how the information's coming so to you. Yep. Yeah, like, we dumped everything on you with those contestants. So if they make it to the next round, it's like, cool, we'll review what we already said. So we're going to try and not lay so much on you, give you a little bit to process also give you like kind of match match um facts or information about each so that it's not too lopsided because i think that's kind of what we ran into on the other side of first round and remember we're learning this yeah, we're in the progress. process yeah. like you're you're here you're you're part of the learning process so um yeah, we're going to do it a little differently, but it's still going to be good. It's going to be delicious. It only gets better from here. West is best. We've got the ancient bracket, the ancient to, uh, what do we say? To like Renaissance. Renaissance. And the natural. We got the natural in here too. Awesome. And the natural. This is going to be a big, um, big, um, we were doing counterclockwise around the bracket. Let's bring that bracket up. There it is, y'all. Just to remind you, Statue of Liberty, Sensoji Temple, Hagia Sophia, Taj Mahal, Panama Canal, St. Basil's Cathedral, Wailing Wall, and Eiffel Tower all moved on to the second round. They've all clinched their spot. Now we're going to start down here in the bottom corner with Switzerland, representing or the Matterhorn representing Switzerland more so, um, versus the Pyramids. Everyone knows the Pyramids. Matt, you want to tell us about the Pyramids? Yes, I do. So, pyramids. A little bit of some highlights here. It was built at a time when Egypt was one of the most was one of the richest and most powerful civilizations in the world. The pyramids, especially the Great Pyramids of Giza, what we're talking about, are some of the most magnificent man-made structures in history. Their massive scale reflects the unique role in that the pharaohs or the king played in ancient Egyptian society. The Giza pyramid complex has been a popular tourist destination since antiquity and was popularized in the Hellenistic times when the Great Pyramid was listed as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Uh, it's created by multiple pharaohs because they built multiple pyramids as almost kind of like they're, if you want to think about the pyramids, they're kind of like tombs, but they're more than just tombs. They're more like monuments to people. They're like mausoleums. If you think of like 
Taj Mahal. Like, that's a mausoleum. This is like the old world version of that. So you have Khufu, Khafre, and Minakori. I butcher those all. It's all like father, end. son, yeah. son, son. Because that was a tradition in ancient Egypt is that, you know, you you built something in your own lifetime to celebrate your death, if that makes sense. Like, it, it, it very, like, meta if you think about it. Like, I'm going to build something in anticipation of me dying. But um, the creation dates, eh, it's going to kind of vary because, again, you're talking about multiple people building multiple pyramids. So anywhere from really, look, what it looks like we got here, like 2589 BCE to 2325 BCE, it all just kind of depends. You're talking about multiple different periods, of different dates. Um, and really what we're getting into in terms of annual visits, almost 15 million people are going to visit the pyramids pretty much year after year after year. Yeah, this thing is a heavy hitter. Yeah. And the times for it, it there's a lot of... It's a lot, yeah. A lot of, there's yeah. a lot of debate in the history and archaeology community as to when this thing was... Like, when these things were built. Um, yeah, but icons. Yeah. They are the icons. Like, they're anything that reps Egypt, there they are. Yeah, they're absolutely. I mean, y- you think about structures in the world and landmarks in the world. Pyramids are definitely one of them. Absolutely. Just like the entire, like... Ancient Egypt it, itself is just so rich in history and iconography and style and heavy hitter for sure. Well, up against that heavy hitter is a sleeper, a potential sleeper <laughs> to upset the pyramids. Maybe we'll see. We're talking, of course, about the Matterhorn over there in Switzerland, okay, known as the Mountain of Mountains. There, it is, like over there, it is a mountain in the Alps. So there in the mountains in the yeah! Alps. Yeah, it's straddling the main watershed and border between Switzerland and Italy. So both sides really have this affinity for the Matterhorn. The mountain's current shape, like who created the Matterhorn? But when we have these natural wonders, right, or these natural monuments, what create them? We could all say, Mother Nature, baby, Mother <laughs> Nature. But there's, a, there's always a little bit of geology. So I tried to give you a little bit of the geology, geologic history um, that produced these. And with the Matterhorn, the Matterhorn's current shape is a result of erosion due to multiple glaciers diverging from the peak, such as the Matterhorn Glacier at the base of the North Face. So these have carved away, carved away like lots and lots of layers of rock and sediment to give it that infamous like kind of tilted hat shape. It's hella steep. Kind of looks like the sorting hat in Harry Potter. Kinda, kinda. Um, the creation dates, the formation, like in terms of when it was created, it it's like this long process. Over two hundred million years, where Pangaea kind of starts to curve under under Laurasia and Gondwana, which are like containing Europe and Africa. Um, and the Matterhorn acquired its characteristic like shape from that erosion that we talked about, and that's happened in the last like couple million years. So I mean, it's quantifying like a natural wonder something that took all of that time versus these man-made structures is going to be the most challenging part within this breakdown um but we'll take it for what it is in terms of visitors i mean it's a mountain the mountains are going to have a lot fewer like a lot fewer visitors than the other wonders because you got to climb them like you got to like ski or snowboard or something it's like a passion Right? You got to want it. Exactly. You got to want that. Uh, so for the Matterhorn, 3,000 people on average summit it each year, get to the top of it, uh, which is which is pretty good. So 
that's that six seed. If they're if if there we have more on both of these. If they make it, you might you will learn more. Um, but from what we got, Matterhorn versus the Pyramids, Matt. What are you thinking, boss? Going pyramids. It's gotta be pyramids. Going with the pyramids. It's just it's too much, you know. It it's it's so iconic. I mean Shut up and take my money. Easy. Easy money. Easy money. Yeah, it isn't easy money. I'm I already copied and put it over. You know what it is. Like it's gotta be the pyramids. They're a powerhouse. Like it's That's it, a dynasty, literally and figuratively. Oh yeah, definitely. Like and it if it doesn't if it doesn't make it to the finals then somebody had to like, have a good game. Someone had a had a lot riding on them. Uh so next up we got Chichen Itza versus the Grand Canyon, the 13 seed Chichen Itza versus the number 4 seed Grand Canyon. Mhm. Let's talk a little bit about Grand Canyon. You know what you love it. I will say as somebody who's visited Grand Canyon, it is spectacular. Um so let's talk about a little more detail. So although it's awesome Grandeur and beauty are the major attractions of the Grand Canyon. Perhaps its most vital and valuable aspects lies in the time scale of Earth history that is re- revealed in the exposed rocks on the canyon walls. Literally, like you can see the transitionary periods in like human and just overall like geologic history. You can see how like Earth changed over time because all the layers, like different layers of sediment and rock that you can see in visible bands uh, on the Grand Canyon. Uh, were it not for the s- semi-arid climate in the surrounding area, there would be no Grand Canyon. Slope wash from the rainfall would have removed the canyon walls, and stair-step topography would have long ago been excavated. The distinctive sculpturing and multicolored rock structures could not exist. The painted desert southeast of the canyon along the Little Colorado River would be gone, and the picturesque Monument Valley to the northeast near the Utah State line would have only been a few rounded hillocks so the depth of the canyon grand canyon is a result of cutting action of the river but it's great width is explained by rain wind temperature and chemical like erosion helped by the rapid wear of soft rocks all of which steadily widened the canyon uh layers some of the layers can date back far as 2.5 billion years um but the largest contributing factor to the canyon's creation was the river obviously you're talking about water erosion um, and that's about six million years ago. And if you talk about people that kind of come to check it out, you talk about five million people come to check out the Grand Canyon annually. It is definitely like up there. We can talk about United States like natural landmarks for sure. Everyone loves the Grand Canyon. It's it literally it's in the name. It's a Grand Canyon. It's, it's huge, <laughs> crazy. It's a Grand Canyon. One Can- of my uh, uh, goals is to do the hike, the rim to rim. It's like 20 miles or something like that. One of my coworkers did it at the end of last year. I think that would be a valuable experience. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to do it? I want to do it. You want to do it this month? (laughs) Not this month. No, that's like, you got to train for that. What? Yeah. No way. Like 20 miles. That's that's a lot. That ain't shit. That's a lot of hiking. We could do that. We could do that shit. Come on. That's that's in the futures. Bro, I did a marathon on no training. Congrats. Period. <laughs> you could do it. It's a 20-mile walk. You could do so it. Good. You could do it. I wasn't saying that as like a flex. I was saying if that can be done, like a 20-mile walk, yeah, we could do that shit. Eventually. Eventually. Well, you heard it here first. I, you heard it here first. I was trying to do that now, but Matt was like, we need to train. Chichen Itza is the opponent of the Grand Canyon, and what an opponent it is. I'll tell you what. Pretty damn cool. 
It was one of the largest Mayan cities, and it was likely to have been one of the mythical great cities, or Tollens, referred to later in Mesoamerican literature. The city may have had the most diverse population in the Maya world, a factor that could have contributed to the variety of architectural styles at the site. Now, the La Pyramide, known as the Temple of Kukulkan, or Kukul, Kukulkan. Oh, yeah, Kukulkan. I've heard that. Come on, Ben, you know this. Is a Meso- okay, Kukulkan is a Mesoamerican steppe pyramid that dominates the center of the Chichen Itza archaeological site. And the pyramid building is more formally designated by archaeologists as Chichen Itza. So, in some regards, like Chichen Itza is the whole site itself. In others, it is like the pyramid structure itself. The pyramid is also called El Castillo. So, we've labeled it El Castillo. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was created by the Mayan civilization between the 8th and 12th centuries AD. They don't like it's a pretty big window, but it is what it is. And it is. Although it is in, like, a rainforest, essentially, it's not widely accessible, you know, just off the street there, kind of like the gate, or, like, the Arch of the Covenant, or the Arch of Triumph. Why do I always say the Arch of Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant. You want you want to find the Ark of the Covenant. The Arc de Triumph, right? Unlike that, it's not sitting in the middle of the road. <laughs> but it still gets till 2 million visitors a year on average. So, it's pretty impressive. Not bad, for a 13 seed. No, I mean, it, it is kind of the main, like, I don't know, if you're thinking about the, the Egyptian pyramids, this is like its own unique version of that, like the step pyramids. And they, those are two civilizations, like thousands of years apart. that have no contact with one another. And it's just cool. It's a gigantic step pyramid in the jungle. Man, think about the stories that will be told when Chichen Itza steps up against the pyramids in the second round. <laughs> no pun intended with the step pyramid. It better step up. 13 against the four seed, Grand Canyon versus Chichen Itza. How, 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 uh, yeah, I'm, hmm. This is a really, really hard one. I don't think the Grand Canyon has an easy road here. No? No. I mean, does anyone in the West have an easy road when the pyramids are in it? Nope. I mean, Grand Grand Canyon, 5 million visitors a year. Mm -hmm. So it has more than Chichen Itza. Grand Canyon isn't in the middle of the city. True. It's also a lot bigger. It's not like one designated little spot. Mmm... Perfect conditions had to be in place for the Grand Canyon to be what it is. Yeah. So I'm going to lean with the favorite on this one and go with the Grand Canyon. Yeah, the matchup of Chichen Itza versus the Pyramids would be nice. But I think the matchup of the Grand Canyon versus the Pyramids is almost better. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Grand Canyon too. I, I think it's just it's, it's spectacular. It's, you know, it's, it's it, no part of it is exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, so Grand Canyon, moving on. Moving on up. Moving on up. You know, God, I'm such a jerk. Everyone's been like, I can't even see what he's typing. There we go. Sorry, y'all. I watched that whole last one and couldn't see anything. All right, well, on to the next one. Next matchup we got here is uh, Machu Picchu versus Easter Island. 
Yeah, the Moai. The Moai Correction statues. from earlier. Yeah. yeah, the Moai Sorry statues. about Maori. Maori, that's New Zealand. Yeah. Um, all right, so Machu Picchu. So you've probably heard that name before. You've probably seen pictures of it. It's the kind of the mountaintop, like in the clouds village that is built into these mountains way out in, uh, I don't know, the is that the Andes Mountains out in Peru? Probably the Andes, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, so the site is roughly divided into urban sector and an agriculture sector into an upper town and a lower town with temples located in the upper town, warehouses in the lower. The architecture is adapted to the mountains, literally carved into the mountains. It's pretty, it's pretty spectacular. Um, approximately 200 buildings are arranged on a wide parallel terraces around an east to west central square. The various compounds called conchas are long and narrow in order to exploit the terrain. Sophisticated channeling systems provide the irrigation for the fields. Stone stairways sent to the walls allowed access to the different levels across the site. So this is like a true ancient engineering marvel, without a doubt. Um, most archaeologists do believe that Machu Picchu was constructed as an estate for an Incan emperor, uh, Pachuti, uh, anywhere between... Pachuti. Pachuti. Uh, between 1438 and 1472. So actually, this is not that old, if you think about it. It's only about, what, 500-plus years old? So not quite ancient, but definitely old. Um, number of people that do visit, about 1.4 million. And overall, it is just, like, it's it's just uh, crazy to think, like, people built that. Like, it's so high up, and it's just, like, out, out of nowhere in the clouds. It's so dope. It's crazy. It's so dope. It's definitely one of those places where you think, like, if you're interested in world travel, that's a must-hit site. Yeah. It's And iconic. it's so must-hit that they have to limit the amount of people that go to it because of, like, people are gross and they, like, leave their trash. It's actually really close to a city, and it was... I didn't put this in the facts that I was going to share, but it was recommended, and it's being considered to be put on... Uh, the World Wonders in Danger yeah. list, which is actually interesting in itself. Because it's it's so susceptible to like being damaged by its surroundings and by all the people that would yeah come all into that it. pollution and crap yeah but it's really freaking cool it's crazy it's, I mean just think about the sophistication for like farming up that high and like irrigation and stuff like that pretty wild man that's a that's a tough head to head right there Machu Picchu versus the Moai the Moai heads um. So let's talk about those heads, right? Actually, let's talk about the heads while I pull up an image for you so that you know what I'm talking about. You know, them big Easter Island heads. Or there they are for you. Doop. Okay. So the Moai heads, on average, they stand 13 feet and weigh 14 tons. Right, human hands on torsos carved in the male form from rough, hardened volcanic ash. The islanders call them Moai, and they have puzzled ethno ethnographers, archaeologists, and visitors to the island since the first European explorers arrived in 1722. In their isolation, why did the early Eastern, Eastern islanders undertake this colossal statue-building effort? Unfortunately, there is no written record. And the oral history is scant. So to help, like, there's no way to help tell the story of why these remote people created nearly 900 giant moai mm -hmm. that punctuate Easter Island's or barren like how landscape. how they got them there, yeah. Yeah. 
they're crazy. So they're, I mean, they're created by the Rapa Nui people, um, but it's not a specific person who's responsible for creating them because they're created over a lot of time, like between 1250 and 1500 AD is what's assumed. Yeah. Um, and so now it's modern-day Chile, uh, but Easter Island is way, way off the coast. Like, it is super deep. Um, and these, like... About 100,000 people come to see these heads every year. They're pretty crazy. Like when they would build them, they built them in a quarry, Mm -hmm. and all of the biggest ones didn't really leave the quarry. And I think it's like only like a pretty small amount of them were actually transported to where they were supposed to be. Yeah, didn't they like use a bunch of like ropes and like walk them basically like edge to edge, like walk them down? where they're at yeah there are theories that the reason why the island's so bare is because they cut down all the trees oh, to construct like all of them rollers and to and move stuff. them yeah and then then the tree was then the island was a wasteland or it was a bunch of all for these guys rocks. yep so those are the moai the moai versus well you know machu picchu that's a hard matchup i feel like machu picchu's gotta take it I think you're right too. I think Machu Picchu yep. does take it. It's too, it's too crazy, it's too impressive. Yeah, like you look at it. That's Grand Canyon. What is happening here? It's too impressive. They built an entire like way of life in the mountains, and the the type of step, the type yeah. of steps that it is in the agriculture, like the way they produced all of their food, like that. It's like that. the definition of su- sustainability. Yeah, crazy. They knew, dude. They were advanced. They were advanced without being advanced, and they evaded they evaded the conquistadors. Yeah, that that when like Machu Picchu was only discovered like what, not like super recent, but like not too long ago. No, it it was like in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, so imagine that like four hundred years of just like secluded living, and yeah, it's crazy. Machu Picchu is super dope. Got to go there. Got to go there. Okay, Machu Picchu moves on. You know, that was, that was gimme. So far, all of the big, big seeds are coming out of here hitting hard. Acropolis versus Victoria Falls. Acropolis is the 10 seed. Victoria Falls is the number seven. Ooh, this one's interesting. This one is interesting. I'll start with Acropolis. Yeah. The Acropolis of Athens is the most striking and complete ancient Greek monumental complex still existing in our times. And the Acropolis was an ancient citadel located on a rocky outcrop above the city of Athens and contains and remains or contains the remains of several ancient buildings of great architectural and historical significance, the most famous being the Parthenon. So when Matt and I were talking about creating this list, we brought up the Parthenon, but we realized like we should be identifying the Acropolis as a whole because you see the whole Acropolis. Mm-hmm. The Parthenon is just like, it's figure point. But that would be like, you're not going to pick just the Pyramid of Giza. You're going to no, pick, pick the, the pyramids. Yeah, you're going to pick all three of them together. So that was kind of the thinking in that. Um, it was constructed by the ancient Greek, specifically Pericles, who coordinated the construction of the buildings whose present remains um, are the site's most important. Again, that includes the Parthenon, but also the, but also, um, the Propylae, the, I don't know what these are, the Oresion, and the Temple of Athena Nike. Um, and they were, con- they were constructed during the 5th century BC, so they're super old. Mm-hmm. And they get hella visitors, not including locals, 1.8 million 
per year. And all of these numbers that we're telling you are all obviously pre-COVID. No one was traveling during COVID. Yeah. Um, Acropolis, what do you got for for Victoria Falls? Victoria Falls, uh, this is in Zambia, and uh, it actually borders Zambia and Zimbabwe. Uh, it's the most has a unique structure that produces the largest single sheet of flowing water in the world. However, it's neither the tallest nor the widest waterfall. So just by pure like volume of water, it actually has the most water falling in the entire world. Uh, putting it, again, it's not the largest, but it is one of the largest. Um, it is thought that earth movement in an earlier geological period diverted the southeasterly flowing upper Zambezi River to a generally easterly direction and so initiated the development of a waterfall in the area occupied by a massive bed of basalt, which is about 305 meters thick. Softer materials eroded to form the greatest east-west gorges. Gradual erosion of the small joints that run north-south caused the river to be concentrated into a narrow fissure, and that broad fall line was abandoned. This gouging of the soft zone again established a broad fall. This process has been repeated over and over many years, and the zigzag gorges represent the seven previous lines of waterfalls. Um, about one million people visit the falls every year, and overall, it's just a cool-ass waterfall. Like, it's what you imagine like would be in Wakanda. Like, it's, it's cool. It's a cool waterfall. It's huge. Yeah, dude, the product of 15 million years of geology. Yeah. And it's this massive waterfall. Dude, the most gangster nickname, the smoke that thunders. Yeah. The smoke that thunders. Nobody wants that smoke. Nobody wants it. Yeah! Nobody wants the smoke. Victoria Falls versus Acropolis. This is a hard one. This is a, this is a hard, hard pick. I I know where I'm going with this one. Where are you going with it? I'm going with Acropolis. Are you? Yep, I'm going with Acropolis. It is, like, when you think about landmarks, especially, like, the ancient ones, the Acropolis is definitely on there. Like, the Parthenon has so much significance. All those temples, like, to Athena and Nike, and just, like, it is, it is ancient Greece. Like, the Acropolis is ancient Greece. Like, so much of, like, the way of life that we lived is derived from the Greeks, and that, that is such a prominent, historic, cultural place that just has a lot of meaning in terms of human history that was developed there. And it's still, like, it, the style and the way they, they built some of that, like, because they're re renovating the Parthenon and some of that other stuff, they're taking apart some of those columns, and the way that they built them is just, like, it's so simple, but yet... It just makes sense. It's kind of the same thing with uh, Hagia Sophia, the, the mathematically perfect points. And the same thing goes with, like, all those uh, structures on the Acropolis. I just, I, I love Greek and Roman history, and I just love kind of just the, the imagery of that. So I'm going to go Acropolis. He gave this long, thoughtful response, and just like, I got to have it. Why did it do that? Um, but I'm I'm with him 100%. Acropolis for the upset. Victoria Falls is amazing. It's beautiful. Uh, it's a natural world wonder. But people created Acropolis. Mm -hmm. Arguably ancient people, if you consider that ancient. And everything was perfect. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm down. I saw it on The Amazing Race. 
<laughs> I've seen all <laughs> these places on the Amazing Race. Actually, Amazing. Ra we need to go on the Amazing Race. I think that's the theme here. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. We just got to learn how to speak another language. There you go. Learn to navigate those. Uh, Coliseum versus Stonehenge. This Ooh. is our eight versus our nine. This is a pretty, pretty close matchup. Why does that keep happening? Got to figure out these keystrokes, man. Figure out the keystrokes. Coliseum, Stonehenge. How about this? I'll talk about Stonehenge. All right, go for it. Everyone knows Stonehenge, those big rocks all stacked around, e around each other in the UK. It's one of the most famous landmarks in the United Kingdom. <clears throat> Stonehenge is regarded as the is it's regarded as a British cultural icon. It has been a legally protected ancient monument since 1882 when legislation to protect historic monuments was first successfully introduced in Britain. Now archaeologists believe Stonehenge could have been a burial ground from its earliest beginnings. Deposits containing human bone date from as early as 3000 BC when the ditch and bank were first dug and continued for at least another 500 years. Now, in modern times, many conspiracy theorists believe the monument is connected to extraterrestrial life and could possibly be what is known as an ancient stargate. That's crazy. But I, I will continue. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most popular beliefs, not talking about aliens, uh, is that it was created by the Druids. Now, Druid... A druid was a member of a high-ranking class in ancient uh, Celtic cultures, often holding roles as, like, religious leaders. And it was built in multiple stages. So the first stage happening about 5,000 years ago, which was the early Henge, and then they did the, the Stone Circle, about 2,500 B.C., and then finally the burial mounds were added in the early, like, Bronze Era. And this, like, people have been visiting this for... Centuries on centuries, still today, 1.6 million visitors on average. Again, that doesn't account for local visitors or local tourism in the UK. So, boom. Stonehenge. I mean, don't sleep on Stonehenge. Man, interesting story. If, if Stonehenge gets eliminated, then I got an interesting story. But Or if it looks like, I don't know. Let's go. Let's we'll go. see. Um, all right, so the Colosseum, its opponent it is an oval amphitheater in the center of the city of Rome, just east of the Roman Forum. It was used for a variety of things, most notably gladiatorial contests, talking about public spectacle, spectacles, uh, horse racing, you name it, um, reenactments. Romans were really big into reenactments. Like, did you know that the Colosseum, they would actually have the ability to flood, like, the ground and they'd actually be able to, like, reenact famous naval battles. Because, like, Romans had big-time egos. They loved reliving the hits, so to speak. Um, so they were like, you know what? Run it back. Run it back. Run it back. Run it back. Oh, remember that time we kicked uh, Hannibal's ass? Run it back. <laughs> remember that time we salted the earth in, uh, I forget where, where Hannibal's from, but they salted the earth back there. Right, <laughs> straight up. They scorched, salted the earth back there. Scor scorched earth policy. Uh, they love running that stuff back. Anyway, back to the Coliseum, they would do that there. Um, so the building ceased to be used for entertainment in the early medieval era. It was really reused for purposes such as housing, workshops, quarters for religious order, a fortress, a quarry, a Christian shrine. Basically, once the Romans were like fundamentally defeated, um, there wasn't a whole lot of like popularity for Roman imagery or like 
quote unquote uh, pagan imagery. Um, so it's actually kind of a, a marvel that this is still standing, considering a lot of their stuff got wiped out a long time ago. Uh, largest ancient amphitheater ever built and is the still the largest standing amphitheater in the world today, despite its age, which, speaking of age, it was constructed under Emperor Ves, Vespa, Vespasian. Vesuvius. Ves, interesting. Um, yeah, right. right? In uh, 72 AD, and then completed under the successor and heir Titus in 80 AD. You're probably wondering, why are uh, the numbers different than they were previously? Well, you have a switch. You count down in BC, and you count up in AD. Um, and people have visited, about 4 million people visit it uh, annually. Um, and it's huge. When you're talking about just overall size, you're talking about 189 meters long that's about 615 feet 156 meters wide about 510 feet and a base area of 24,000 square meters it's about six acres that's crazy um it is like fundamentally the first modern stadium if you want to think about that like the first stadium in the world to that size um the perimeter is originally measured about 400 545 meters um about thousand almost about 1800 feet and the central arena is an oval and about uh, 87 meters long and 55 meters wide, surrounded by a wall of five meters. And uh, yeah, so it is huge. Damn, huge, you straight huge, up, huge. you pulled out like round two facts. Oh, the, I, oh with the stats. That, was, that was a little preview. Sorry about it. <laughs> it was a lot of preview. Yeah, it's Dude. huge. There you go. Vespasian. 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 Yeah, I yeah. knew whatever yeah. I said yeah. wasn't right. <laughs> it's like eh. I wasn't even looking. I was like, oh yeah, Vesuvius, Ves- Vesuvius, Ves- Vespasian. So overall, Colosseum impressive. It is without a doubt like when you think about going to Rome, going to Italy, Colosseum's like top of that list. Well, dude, why the heck does it do that when I go over? I don't like it. I don't like when it clicks over on the screen. Coliseum versus Stonehenge. I'm taking Stonehenge. I'm taking Coliseum. God dang it. Well, roll it off. First roll off in the West. We're rolling off. Stonehenge going first. Stonehenge. Why is this all zoomed in? How do you zoom out on a Mac? There we go. Okay. Well, it's still... still what the... What in the actual hell is going on here? Okay. Random number generator. Here we go. Coliseum first? Stonehenge first. No, Coliseum first. No, Stonehenge is the higher seat. What? Yeah, Stonehenge is eight. Stonehenge first, 23. Oh, that's good. Oh, damn. That's right. One. <laughs> Coliseum, you didn't get no love. Coliseum is an interesting, way more interesting than Stonehenge. Dude, no way. Oh, yeah. No way. Stonehenge is just a bunch of rocks. You can say the same thing about Coliseum. It's just a bunch of rocks. Just for a lot more people. It was the first, like, worldwide stadium. Who cares? Stadiums are overrated. They're overpriced. They take public funds for private events that you still have to pay for. True. Coliseum. Sorry about it. I wish you were moving on. No, Coliseum. No one liked you in the first place. We already got Acropolis. We don't need some Roman shit in there. Don't we already have other Roman stuff? No, that was the only Roman thing. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what? It was the nine seed. Didn't deserve to upset stone circles. Number six seed, Yellowstone versus 
the Forbidden City. Yellowstone, Yellowstone, Yellowstone. All right, let's talk about Yellowstone. So, well over half the world's geysers and hydrothermal features are in Yellowstone. It's actually, isn't it the most, like, biodiverse place on Earth? Yeah. Like, it is crazy. Um, so, they're, all those features are going to be fueled by ongoing volcanism. There's, like, an active volcano under Yellowstone, which is also terrifying. Um, people in the Midwest probably should be a little bit more freaked out than they are. But, nevertheless... Uh, so if the park is the centerpiece of the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, the largest remaining nearly intact ecosystem in Earth's northern temperate zone, the landscape of the greater Yellowstone ecosystem is a result of various geological processes over the last 150 million years. Here, Earth's crust has been compressed, pulled apart, glaciated, eroded, and subjected to volcanism. All this geologic activity formed the mountains, canyons, and plateaus that define the natural wonder that is Yellowstone National Park. Um, date created 150 million years. There you go. Yeah. Uh, visitors. Old. Yeah. Visitors. It's gonna be 3.8 million in that kind of Idaho, Montana, Wyoming general area. That includes definitely parts of like Jackson Hole and the like. So there you go, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Very cool place. This could be one of many matchups between a Chinese landmark monument versus an American landmark monument. Ah, dang. Well, facing off against the Titan is not the Great Wall of China, which I have pulled in front of me by accident. The Forbidden City of China, also known as the Purple Forbidden City. <clears throat> it is a palace complex in, the ba in, ba in a district in Beijing um, at the center of the Imperial City. It is surrounded by numerous opulent Imperial gardens and temples, including three parks, ranging in size from 54 acres to 150 or 171 acres. Huge parks surround this thing. The Forbidden City served as the home of Chinese emperors and their households and was the ceremonial and political center of the Chinese government for over 500 years. Eat your heart out, White House. <laughs> like the White House is tr trying to keep up with the Forbidden City. Now it was created during the Ming Dynasty by architect Kuai... Kuai Jing, probably butchered that, sorry. And it was constructed between 1406 and 1420. And today it receives 16.7 million visitors per million. year. It's crazy. What? And it's iconic. Like you've seen this thing in movies. You've seen it in Mulan. Like in the very end of the movie, it all takes place there. Uh, absolutely iconic. This one's a no-brainer for me, bro. What you got? Oh, it's it's the Forbidden City. I tend to agree with you. Like, and it's for more than f for many reasons, but Yellowstone, we could sit here and argue, isn't really a monument. Like, it's canyon. It's more of like a, a natural beauty. Yeah, yeah. And that's cool, but it's not a landmark. It doesn't like pop up and take your attention. Like, you got to actively go to it, find it. Um. Yeah, that Forbidden City, that, that thing's special. Sorry, America. We love America. We love Yellowstone. But for this bracket... Forbidden City moving rolling on. Forbidden City moving along. Moving along. All right, next up. Moving on, we got a couple local rivals. We're talking about Mount Everest versus the Terracotta Army. So, What is up with this bracket? Japan, China, China, Tibet, 
China, USA. China's looking to fight it's everybody. Like Asia. Asia was just in this bracket. Like what? I, that again didn't do this on purpose. It just happened. Looking to fight some folks. So let's talk about Mount Everest, aka the largest summit on Earth, aka Death Mountain. Yep. Yeah. You know, I know something like nasty is that if you die on Mount Everest, you're just like frozen on hey, the mountain. Yeah, you stay there. You're a marker for yeah. future hikers. Like. If you summit Everest, you're undoubtedly going to pass, like, people who did not successfully get up or down the mountain. Yeah, 300 of them, actually. Yeah. So, scary stuff. Uh, it's the largest <laughs> mountain and crest in the Himalayas of southern Asia, located between Nepal and Tibet, autonomous region of China. Higher up are found the sedimentary rocks of marine origin, remnants of the ancient flood of the Tethys Sea that closed after the collision of the two plates. Uh, the Himalayan regions thrust upward by tectonic action as the Indian-Australian plate moved northward from the south and was subducted, forced downward under the Eurasian plate, following the collision of the two plates between about 40 and 50 million years ago. Um, so there have been uh, about 7,646 summits as of 2016. That's a lot considering how much of an endeavor it is, like, financially and physically to do this. Um, and then, obviously, the Himalayas started rising about 25 to 30 million years ago. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's an old, old, old mountain. And it, a lot of people do summit it. It's very expensive, very dangerous, very deadly. And it is, without doubt, like one of those like recognizable things in like human history, for sure. It's so interesting that it's the highest, but it isn't the tallest. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like there are mountains that are under sea level, so they're higher. Yes. Like, uh, taller, not higher. Yeah. Mount Everest, that's a heavy hitter, but it's up against its own heavy hitter, a 14th seed. You'd think Everest is coming in this with just big gloves and it's just going to take out the Terracotta Army. No, sir. That is not happening. Not today. Terracotta Army at least looking to go into OT. They are a collection of terracotta sculptures depicting the armies of Emperor Qin, right? The first emperor of China. It is a form of funeral art buried with the, or funerary, sorry. It is a form of funerary art built or buried with the emperor between the years of 210 and 209 BCE with the purpose of protecting the emperor in his afterlife. Every single one of these soldiers, which range over 8,000, all look different. They all have different attributes, different features, different types of armor, different types of weapons, all different because they all represent different people that served the emperor in his lifetime. Now, again, this was created during the Qin dynasty and was created in the late third century and buried with the emperor in 210 BC. Today, it receives over about a million uh, visitors per year. Although that is like pretty regulated, it's interesting because, oh, look, back to the Amazing Race. Here he goes again. The Amazing Race, in the early seasons, there's an episode where they get to go and they run into one of the places where all of the statues are. I mean, there are tons of locations where where the terracotta soldiers are, but they get to go in one of them, and now it's not it's not open like it used to be. Um, so yeah, just a little interesting thing. Yeah, Terracotta Army, pretty impressive. The, China, the Chinese government has acknowledged they're not going to open the tomb of the first emperor until they know they can perfectly preserve everything that's in it mm-hmm. um, as it lays. Because right now, it's completely protected from all forms of bacteria, but it's also like heavily booby-trapped. Booby-trapped. 
Dang, that's like some some Tomb Raider, Laura Crofts type stuff. It's like you like Indiana to say Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yep, it's like some Indiana Jones type stuff. That's pretty crazy. Yep, fourteen. I'm gonna take the upset. I'm taking the upset yep. too. The fourteen taking out Mount Everest. Sorry about it. Oh, I'm not sorry about it. It's a big old mountain, and you know what? It's sad what's happened to it in years because so oh, many people yeah. go up it that there's a big pollution problem. You see images and videos of people just standing in line waiting to summit. It's like, holy smokes. Holy smoke aroonies It is, like, I can't imagine being somebody who who's done, like, the seven summits, though. That's got to be, like, crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Dude, there's a guy, there's a Sherpa who's summited Everest, like, 25 times. Damn. Yeah, he's got the record. Our last matchup in round number one. Round one, last one. Mount Fuji versus the Great Wall. Another mountain versus another feat of Chinese engineering. China so far is 2-0. and I mean, they're going for a clean sweep, aren't they? Oh, dude, they're going for a turkey. All right, so let's talk a little... If I can find it, the... Great Wall of China. There it is. All right. So the Great Wall of China actually consists of number uh, numerous walls. It's actually not one giant wall, but it's uh, kind of like a collection and accumulation of a lot of walls that are kind of conjoined together. Um, many of them actually are run parallel to each other, built over some two millennia across northern China and southern Mongolia. This wall often traces the crest lines of hills and mountains as it snakes across the Chinese countryside, and about one-fourth of its length consists of solely of natural barriers such as rivers and mountains ridges. Nearly all the rest, about 70% of the total length, is actually constructed wall with some of the rem small remaining stretches uh, const uh, constituting ditches or moats. Although lengthy sections of the wall are now in ruins or have disappeared completely, it's still one of the most remarkable structures on Earth. Uh, it's built by a whole bunch of rulers of China, the Qin, the Han, the Wei, the Sui, the Jin, the Wan, Mongol Dynasty, and the Ming Dynasty. So quite a few dynasties are going to contribute to the Great Wall because, again, it is gigantic. It's not going all going to be built by one generation, but rather over the course of a lot of time. Um, speaking of which, built over the course of two millennia, like I said. Uh, large parts of the fortification system date from the 7th through the 4th century BCE. In the 3rd century BCE, the first emperor of United China connected a number of existing defensive walls into a single system. The Han to the Yuan dynasty is strengthened and repaired the wall. The most extensive and best preserved version of the wall dates from the Ming dynasty, which is about 1368 to 1644. And about 10 million people visit the Great Wall every year. And I think the Great Wall is uh, one of the things you can see from space, isn't it? That's a myth. Oh, it is? Oh. Yeah. That's an unfortunate myth then. Yeah, I know. It's, I wish it was real. It's real popular, yeah. but it's just not... It's unfortunately not sound. Dang. Well, yeah. either way, Great Wall of China is pretty spectacular. Yeah, if you've never seen an image of the Great Wall of China, then what rock are you living under? Yeah, right. Because, I mean, this thing is pretty crazy. This thing's banging. Iconic. You can see it on the iconic Disney ride, Soaring Over the World. Soaring Over the World. Check it out. Check it out at your local Disney park. All right, well, Mount Fuji... Mount Fuji is a it's a mountain. It's a cool mountain. It's a it's a really cool looking mountain. Yeah. Iconic. This is like these are some of the the big picture like 
really picturesque, especially with the lake cherry blossoms being very iconic and um, it just towers over Tokyo, to, yeah, to Japanese culture. It's covered in snow like five months of the year. Absolute beauty. I mean, man, you know, we kind of we kind of went back and forth because I thought the Blue Lagoon should definitely have been on the list and. Matt was like, well, I think Fuji should be on there. And I was like, man, if Fuji's on, then the Matterhorn has to be on. And that took the Blue Lagoon out. And But when you look at pictures of Mount Fuji, especially the ones from Tokyo, it's like, holy, holy bananas, Batman. It's pretty iconic. It's pretty crazy. Look at this one. Holy smokes. And you know what's even crazier is that's through a picture. I know you've taken out your phone before and you've taken a picture of something and you're like, oh, yeah, awesome. And then you look at the picture and it ain't nothing. Yeah, ah, oh, it doesn't look the way my <laughs> eyes see it. If you see this with your eyes, you're going to be astounded. Yeah. Astounded. So aside from its amazing looks, Mount Fuji is one of Japan's three holy mountains along with Mount Tate and Mount Haku. Um, located on the island of Honshu, it is the highest mountain in Japan and sits about 100 kilometers, that is 62 miles southwest of Tokyo, and is visible from there on a clear day, as you've seen in all of these wonderful pictures. Mount Fuji's exceptional symmetrical cone, which is covered in snow about five months of the year, is commonly used as a cultural, or is commonly viewed as a cultural icon of Japan and is frequently depicted in art and photography, as well as visited by sightseers and climbers from around the world. Now, Mount Fuji is located at at a triple junction trench, right, where three different plates meet, and these three plates from the western part of Japan, the eastern part of Japan, and the Aizu Peninsula, respectively, um, all are subducting and abducting above each other. So it's creating this, this monstrous mountain. It's crazy. Right? So this plate subduction is what's led to Mount Fuji's formation over the course of about 100,000 years. Uh, it is considered like a mildly active volcano. Like it's, it, I think its last eruption was in the 1700s. I think, it, it th- yeah, it's, it's probably like the equivalent of like Rainier. Yeah. It's, like it's active, but it's not really expected to do anything. Exactly. Um, it's, it's really important inside of Tokyo. It has its own god like many other things. Can't remember what the name of it is, but yep, it's it's got religious significance too. Over a million visitors a year, and over three hundred thousand people summit the mountain each year. Hi, yeah, yeah, it, it's cool. It's cool. It's real cool. But is it cool enough to take out the number two? You know, I am excited for a Great Wall of China Terracotta Army matchup. So, Great Wall of China has to take out Mount yep. Fuji. It That's what to. you say? Yep. Well, I say send that bitch into overtime. China ain't Ooh. taking this because you know what? You're right. Great Wall of China, it's iconic. It's big. It's the it's the thing out of China. Holy smokes. People are going to lose their mind when they, when they see like, oh my gosh, this thing went into overtime. But Mount Fuji, the imagery of Mount Fuji over Tokyo. It's pretty crazy. I think it's the best mountain. I think it is the best one out of all of I them. I would agree with that, yeah. I think it looks... The best, and if it we're looks talking, like a painting. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. If we're talking about landmarks, if you're in Tokyo, that that is the landmark. That's the landmark. That is crazy. If you're in China, 
what part of China are you in? Like, are you going to see the Great Wall? It's true. Well, you know what China's I mean? China's huge, yeah. Ooh, so. I don't know. Send it overtime, though. Send, send it overtime. It's going into overtime. Give me the horn. Working on it. Working on it. I don't feel so good. (laughs) I don't feel so good. Okay, so top seed gets first roll. Yep. Eight. Oh, boy. Great Wall of China might be going down. Great Wall of China has a subpar overtime. Oh, no. You know what? We have to re-roll because I only had it set to 10. Oh. Oh, geez. I'm going to roll three times. Okay. Now this next roll counts. All right. Ready? Fuck. Perfect. 24. Ooh. 24. Come on, Mount Fuji. No! Mount Fuji collapses. It's a three. There we go. Great wall. Let's go. Oh, no. The great wall comes up with it. I thought Mount Fuji should have taken that. It went into overtime. So I'm not, you know, there was a valiant showing. Was there? Were there any other overtime showings in that? Stonehenge. Uh, the call, yeah, the Coliseum one, and I think that was it. Actually, only two overtimes in in the West. Only two overtimes in the West, y'all. That's gonna do it what? for round one. That's the end. We got all of our round one, uh, all our round ones in the book. We'll go back through all of the winners in the West. In the second round, we're gonna see. Well, I don't even know how I should announce this. First round winners, Great Wall of China beat out Mount Fuji. Terracotta Army beat out Mount Everest. The Forbidden City beat out Yellowstone with a big upset there, 11 beating the 6. Stonehenge beat out the Coliseum. That was an 8 and a 9, and Stonehenge edged him out in overtime. Acropolis upset Victoria Falls being the 10 seed over the 7. Machu Picchu put the stomp in on Easter Island, unfortunately. Uh, Chichen Itza also got beat in their matchup against the Grand Canyon. And then finally, Switzerland got beat out by the Pyramids. It wasn't even close. That one wasn't even close. If we're going to identify like a big-time blowout in this, it was it was that one. Big upset for the Terracotta Army over Everest. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a numbers standpoint, although from a feat of just creation, Terracotta Army, pretty impressive. And just a reminder, coming out of the... So, let's do a second-round preview. Second-round preview. Second-round preview. So, out of the East, we got Statue of Liberty that's going up against the Sensoji Temple. We also got the Hagia Sophia going up against Taj Mahal. The Panama Canal is going up against St. Basil's Cathedral. The Wailing Wall is going up against Eiffel Tower. Heck, yeah. Then on the other side, we'll have the Pyramids against the Grand Canyon. Machu Picchu against Acropolis, Stonehenge against Forbidden City, and the Terracotta Army against the Great Wall of China. That's the battle in China. We had China win three and zero in the first round. They're gonna take an L in the second round, though. We'll we will see what the second round holds. Um, dang, are, are we wrapping this episode? We're, we're wrapping up this bracket breakdown. All right, we're gonna wrap up this bracket breakdown then. Thanks for stopping in, everybody. We'll see you in a couple days, uh, and you'll get the rest of this. We'll we'll, we'll get through the second right. round, third round, and the championship. It'll go pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. It'll be chill. All right, y'all. All right.